Hey, what's going on? So I just wanted to make this video because right now it is December 31st, New Year's Eve, and I just got back from Guadalajara, Mexico. I just flew in. I'm in LA right now, um, and I just flew in a few hours ago, and I'm actually headed off to Medellin, Colombia tomorrow. So it's been a couple of years since I've been back to Medellin, but there was something during my digital detox that was just calling me back to Medellin. And what I came to realize during my digital detox was that for the last couple of years, I've been spending a lot of time out of alignment. Where basically a lot of my decisions, I was overthinking, I was overanalyzing, and I was not really in tune with my intuition. I wasn't making decisions based on what gave me energy. I was making decisions based on what I thought I should be doing on paper. Not just feeling my intuition, but really thinking about what is it that I prefer? Like, what is it that I should be doing according to what I laid out for myself? And what I learned reading Michael Singer's book. So I read The Surrender Experiment. I'm currently reading The Untethered Soul. And I haven't read or really consumed any content for the last 10 days. Like I said, I did a digital detox, basically meaning that I had no phone, no laptop, and I did this over Christmas as well. So it was a bit of a challenge because during Christmas, obviously there's a lot going on. I was in Guadalajara and you know there's parties and all this. And I was just walking around the city alone with my notebook and I would sit on park benches, kind of like Eckhart Tolle, I guess. I've never actually read that book, but I heard that he sat on a park bench for a couple of years and just really was living in the present moment. And that was essentially what I was doing for about the last 10 days. And so I would go, I was living next to Chapultepec Avenue in Guadalajara, which is like one of the main streets. They have like a lot of bars and they have this little strip in the middle that's pretty much like a park. And so I'll just walk along that strip and sit on a park bench for maybe an hour or a couple of hours. And then I'll move to another park bench and I'll just do that for hours. And uh, I went to the cathedral. I would go to the square. I'll just walk around. Sometimes I'll just talk to myself looking like a crazy person, but really cogitating about some of the things that I've been doing for the last few years. And it's interesting because when you allow yourself the space away from all the voices, basically meaning that, you know, if you really think about it, how many voices do you listen to per day? Between YouTube, between podcasts, the books that you're reading, watching TV, watching Netflix, whatever it is, how many voices are you listening to per day? And the reality is a lot of us listen to dozens, if not hundreds or over at least a hundred per day of these different voices. And we don't really get in tune with our own voice sometimes. And at the end of the day, even our own voice, like what is that? It's our inner voice. And Michael Singer talks about this in the surrender experiment. He basically says that our inner voice is also not really us. We tend to ascribe an identity to our inner voice, but it can be misleading to believe that our inner voice or that voice that's constantly running out our heads, that that's our identity. And until we really objectify 
or separate ourselves a bit from that space and allow space to arise, we never really separate ourselves from that inner voice and it's constantly running. So I've been really focused on being aware of that and allow awareness to come up and essentially thinking about who is the person that's thinking, like who is that voice? Where are all my feelings coming from? And when I did that, it really allowed me to go deep within myself. And I had a few really important realizations that I want to share with you. So number one is I was going through a really difficult time near the end of the year. I was just feeling like I was a failure when it came to business. I was a failure when it came to my relationship. And, you know, people who know me would see that as uncharacteristic because they see me as like a very positive person. But sometimes you just get to the point where you have like a moment or like a, there's like a shadow that pops up and it just grows and grows and gets bigger. And it's like, you can't even control it. And so that started to happen to me. And I just felt overwhelmed by the emotions and the feelings. And I actually think that a lot of it is magnified, especially because I really don't consume any substances. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. And uh, I actually don't even eat meat. I'm totally vegan. And so what I think happens is when we have, or, you know, for example, when I don't really consume anything, then everything gets magnified. You become oversensitive to things. And then emotionally too, sometimes I feel oversensitive, overly sensitive compared to how I used to feel. And I haven't really thought about this until now because Back then when I was living in Vegas and when I was working with RSD and when I was working as a nightclub promoter, I was actually doing a lot of different things and I was using a lot of substances. It was distorting my thinking. It was distorting all sorts of things. And so I believe that in the last couple of years, because I haven't drunk, I haven't had a drink in, you know, a year and a half and I didn't eat meat this entire year pretty much now and again I had maybe some fish here and there but for the most part I was totally vegan it really allows you and plus when you're not using technology even heightens that and I had all these thoughts come to the surface over the last 10 days and the first three four five days was brutal I'll tell you that where I was just having like these sickening thoughts of self-loathing and hating people that I knew personally and you know people close to me in my life and I just felt all this blame and hatred towards those people and I was feeling guilt and shame and if you ever read the book Levels of Energy by Frederick Dodson he talks about how guilt and shame and those sorts of emotions are like a 100 level of energy or lower and among the spectrum where it goes from zero to a thousand if you're at a level of energy of zero to a hundred, you're essentially in a place where everything just, you're viewing the world from a lens of shame and guilt. And you start blaming people and hating people and hating yourself and judging. And it's just a downward spiral. So 
for myself, being able to work through those emotions, especially for the first five days, and writing it down and journaling and just allowing everything to come up, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. Because on the sixth day when I woke up, I did feel a little bit of that negativity, but then I had this upwelling of positive emotions rise to the surface. And for days seven, eight, and nine, I've never been happier. And it was the craziest thing on day nine. So I actually didn't make it to 10 days because on day nine, and Laura and I, we've actually, we were living apart because she, she was allowing me to have some space. And I told her like, I, I'm going through a really hard time right now. I need some space. Um, it's nothing about you. It's about allowing myself to be happy. Like if I'm not happy, then I know that I'm just going to take it out on you and that's not fair to you. So we basically had some space apart. She was staying with a friend. I was staying alone. And on day nine, it was the craziest thing. <laughs> um, so I was actually staying at a hostel in downtown Guadalajara and Chupultepec. And it was a super nice hostel, actually. Like the people there were super friendly. It was very modern and they had this nice rooftop. But on day nine, I went to the vegan buffet like I did every single day. And guess who walks in? <laughs> Laura walks in and I was, I was just like, I hadn't talked to anyone really in nine days. And she walks in, I was like, I can't believe she's here. And I go up, I talk to her. She's like surprised to see me there too. And then, you know, we sit down, we start talking and then out of nowhere, her friend shows up because she's, her friend's also vegetarian too. And she didn't know that we we're going to be there. We see her. And so all of a sudden, like all these coincidences, but at the same time, I'm sure if you're watching this, you know, that it's not a coincidence. This is the universe aligning itself once again. So and then the third thing was that she actually happened to book that hostel and she actually didn't know where I was staying. I didn't tell her I'm staying at this hostel, but she's like, I just felt like I had to get away because you know, my friend or she was talking about her friend was staying at her boyfriend's house and she was in this house, you know, with these other girls that she didn't really know. And so she just wanted to book a night or two at a different place. So she just happened to book the hostel that I was staying at. And in that moment, you could, I could just feel the goosebumps of, okay, we're back in alignment because this happened to me a few years ago. And this is actually how I started working with RSD in the first place is when I made that decision to leave LA and sell my car and pay for the RSD Vegas immersion program with that money pretty much. So I sold my car for like $1,500 because I knew that that's the money that I needed for Vegas immersion because at the time that was the price of it and had no other money saved up, just took a leap of faith, moved out to Vegas, slept in the casino for the first night, slept in the car, and eventually worked our way up or worked my way up because I was with my friend initially and we got a place together. It was unfurnished for the month. We just slept on the ground for the entire month and everything just ended up aligning. Once we made it through that initial test, because what the universe will do is it'll test you and we made it through that initial week. And there was one week in particular when it was, so we were there for a couple of weeks. It was my first week of immersion. And I found a job for us on Craigslist. We were basically going door to door, 
canvassing for a political candidate. And I remember it was a crazy week because, you know, I just paid for the immersion program and I was down to my last $21. And so part of the program is obviously you want to start pulling, right? And so I actually made that decision and I just went all in. And I said, I know this is like not totally politically correct, but I know that you understand this if you're into the pickup RSD thing is I just went for a pull <laughs> my first week. It was my first night of immersion and I had $21 in my bank account and I had a decision to make. I had been talking to this girl for a while that night and I had to decide whether did I want to go for the pull and pay for the taxi ride home or did I want to not go for it and instead try to find a cheaper way to go home so I could save some money. Because remember, I had $21 left. We weren't getting paid till Friday and I believe it was a Tuesday night. So I thought to myself, well, I could either pass up this opportunity and just play it safe or I just fully commit and I surrender to it and see what happens. And guess what I did? I did choice number two. I paid for the taxi. The taxi was $13. And by the end of the night, I had $8 left. But I personally felt like it was worth it because I was there for a purpose. And I knew that if I, that was my, the universe testing me in that moment because it was saying to, to me, look, you gave up everything to be here. Do you really want to be here? Do you really want this? And I know, once again, the whole pulling thing is not totally politically correct, but that was my mission, intention, and purpose in that moment. And so the universe was testing me based on that premise. And so I went for it. $8 left in my checking account. I had $8 to last me from Tuesday until Friday because that was our first paycheck. And basically, I just ate... 10 chicken nuggets a day because Burger King had like the special of like $1.50 for 10 chicken nuggets. So I did that once a day and I had a bag of sunflower seeds that I would eat basically to satiate my hunger so I didn't, you know, feel like excessively hungry. Um, but I made it to Friday and it, it paid off. Like I was down to less than $2, but at the end of the day, I made it. And uh, everything just started lining up once again, where over the, the weeks, you know, we kept going out. And then at the end of the month, so I was working for a political candidate. And the guy, like our boss, basically said, uh, we're actually, you know, we have this office, but we have all this furniture. It's brand new. We don't know what to do with it. Do you want it? And so we had zero furniture, right? The whole month so we ended up taking the furniture and that was the moment where I was like I can't believe that this manifested I can't believe that six weeks before I had moved out to Vegas with no plan sold my car no job sleeping in the casino and virtually very little money to survive off of and then I looked around at our furnished apartment and I was like we made it we did it and that was the catalyst that was the start and because of that i befriended one of the guys in immersion and i told him my whole story he knew all about what i was going through 
the instructors really didn't know. I didn't tell anyone else, but I had one friend or I had a couple of friends that knew about what I was going through. And so he happened to be the one guy that Todd asked to become a coach. And he was like, I'll become like, I'm totally open to doing it. I'd love to do that, but we should also make Marcus coach. We should also make Mark a coach because, you know, he told basically a little bit about my story and he's like, we should give him a shot. Even though I was like, I wasn't that experienced to be honest. Like I wasn't that qualified, but because I had that strength of intention and purpose and I was backing it up with my actions and I was very consistent, I was dedicated and committed to showing up to every single training and Max actually hosted extra like physical workouts and runs and things like that. I showed up to every single one. I believe that I was the only student to do that because a lot of students would skip out on the workouts sometimes, they would skip out on the runs, but I was like, you know what? I'm here and I want to spend as much time around these guys as possible, whether it's Max, whether it's Todd, whether it's the other coaches. And so because of that, that was how I landed the opportunity to work with RSD initially. Now, that being said, that was just the start of the journey because that first week, Todd basically put me on a one-week trial. He said, for sure, like, we'll give you a shot. Now, let's see what you can do. And so that first week, I literally volunteered for everything. I volunteered to film day game. I volunteered to edit some of Todd's footage for training. I volunteered to edit students' footage. I, I pretty much showed up to everything. I went to every single debrief, which usually was around like 5 a.m. Um, I tell you this not to just impress you or to brag, but really to emphasize this point of like, when you're living in flow and living in alignment, all of that stuff is just, you know, it comes so naturally and it's almost effortless. It's like you're going down this stream. Instead of fighting upstream and trying to row up this stream, instead you're just going with the flow of the current. And that's how I felt. It didn't feel like, you know, this was not agonizing for me. This was something where I loved what I was doing. I loved that process. I loved the hustle. I loved the grind, but it wasn't just for the sake of hard work. It was because I loved what I was doing. And so that's, you know, I, so it's just so amazing for me to reflect on this and, and think about it. And I'm super appreciative that I even had that opportunity in the first place because what ended up happening was they kept me on and I just kept working and working. And five months later, you know, I'm sitting across from like Nick Coe and Todd and they're offering me a position, like a promotion. And I should have mentioned this in my earlier video because I had a video where I talked about my experience working with RSD and maybe I'll make another video talking about this too. They did offer me a promotion and I turned it down because I wanted to go to grad school because I had an offer for my dream grad school, which I had postponed for a year because my stepdad had passed away the earlier year. And so I, I took the year off and that's how I ended up in Vegas in the first place. But they did offer me like a significant position within that program and I passed on it. And so because I talked about how, you know, we were overworked and like the conditions weren't great. But at the same time, 
I'm super grateful for the fact that they gave me an opportunity and they gave a lot of guys an opportunity to work with the company. And so I, I, I take full responsibility for that too. It's not you know, their fault that I really wasn't compensated that much because they did give me the opportunity and I passed on it. And so basically what happened was I went to grad school and I was not super happy in grad school. I was actually skipping class and this is going to sound ridiculous, but like I was skipping class to go talk to girls. <laughs> like I was living in London, which is quote unquote, the day game capital of the world. So I was skipping some of my classes after a couple of months to go talk to girls in Piccadilly, like Piccadilly Circus and like Covent Garden. I was just walking around London like for hours at a time. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And then, so I was like, you know, there's no point for me to be here. I might as well be in Vegas. So I, I left. Uh, I went back to Vegas. I actually traveled through Europe for about a month and then flew back to Miami for Miami Summit. And I went back to Vegas and just like, you know, hit it, hit it hard. I had to start fresh with Luke because understandably he didn't know who I was. So I literally had to basically start over. And so for the next five or six months, did the same exact thing I did before. Um, I wasn't working as many hours because I was promoting on the side. But, you know, I had to build rapport with Luke in a professional context. And finally, after about six months, I tried to make the move again to get a paid position. And I ended up um, instead getting offered a position at a major nightclub. And I thought that was the better opportunity for me at that moment. So I ended up leaving Vegas Immersion and leaving RSD and working with that nightclub, which turned out to be an amazing decision. That that experience, that six months that I spent at, I guess I'll just say the name of the nightclub, is Excess Nightclub at the Wynn Encore. Um, it was amazing. I loved it there because the people were, it was like a family. And I remember, I felt like I learned, I mean, I don't mean to say this to disparage um, RC as a company or like any sort of the industry or whatever it is. I felt like I learned more in that six months as a promoter at, for excess than I did, you know, that the two, two and a half years I spent with RSD. And it wasn't because of the lack of effort or anything like that. I think the instructors put in a ridiculous amount of time to try to teach guys how to do this. There's just a different level when you're spending time around guys that are just living and breathing it and they're enjoying it and they're making it effortless because with the pickup guys, when I went out with RSD guys, it was a lot of effort, right? Where we're going out together and we're pushing each other to approach and all that. But with the promoters, it was just like, like go, let's go talk to girls. It's like a fun activity and we enjoyed it. And also we were optimizing more for fun than we were for sex or anything like that right so that's that was my experience with um with excess and with rsd and i guess i'm going on a huge rant here but i say this because i've been thinking about new years i've been thinking about how i spent this year some of my new year's resolutions and some of the resolutions that i want to set for next year i actually have one resolution that i want to set and so for this past year I set my resolutions to be number one, 
to do 365 days of writing an hour of copy per day or hand copying like a sales letter or an email. And in case you don't know or you're not familiar with what that, what that is, it's basically like an advertisement. And they say Gary Halbert, he was like a legendary marketer and copywriter. He said that if you hand write a sales letter for an hour a day, you're eventually going to get really good at marketing. So that's what I did is I just, or copywriting. So I just did that um, throughout this year and I ended up making it 313 days and I'm gonna continue until I finish the 365. I'm gonna start the year off that way. Um, the second goal that I had was to read 100 books. I made it to 59 books, so it's not bad. But um, but yeah, I didn't quite make it to 100, but I realized that sometimes it's okay to not make it to your goals. And that was my realization that's going to propel me into my next goal. But let me talk first about my third goal, which was to run a marathon, which I actually did earlier this year. And I, I'm trying to put this delicately or in a way that is more tactful, but with everything that happened this year, it was almost like the universe was once again aligning itself. And this happens is there's no explanation. You can't say whether something is good, good or bad. We tend to do this in our lives. We tend to say this happened, this is good, this is bad. We tend to make a judgment either way. And there's a story and I know that you know, Eli has talked about this. Eli Wild, he was like one of my uh, business mentors a sales mentor. And I actually learned this the first time I heard this story, I was in a meditation retreat in Thailand and this Buddhist monk, I'd never heard the story before, but he basically told us this story about how there's this man and he has a son and they own a horse. And basically what happens is the son, he goes off and he rides the horse and he falls off the horse and breaks his arm and all the other villagers tell the father, it's unfortunate, that's, that's bad. Like, I'm sorry that you had such bad luck that your son fell off the horse and broke his arm. And the father said, well, we don't know yet. Like we can't, you know, we don't know whether it's bad or good. Then what happens is a war breaks out and they draft all the, the firstborn sons. And so that son doesn't get drafted into the army or the war. And the villagers say, wow, how fortunate, what good luck you have that your son doesn't have to go to war. And then the father says, well, we don't really know. And so you get the point of the story and it keeps going, but basically with everything that happens, we don't really know whether that event that takes place is good or bad. And it's the same thing with everything that's happened this year, as politically incorrect as that might sound. The goodness or the badness that we ascribe to a certain event comes from within ourselves. And so when it happened, I was like, it's almost as if for me, everything was aligning because I wanted to dedicate this year to just 
studying and not really focusing so much on like traveling and making money and all that, which is what my focus was before. But I told myself at the beginning of this year, I'm just going to study. I'm going to read books. I'm going to write copy. And that's pretty much it. I'm not going to travel that much. I'm not really going to go to conferences and invest in programs like I did before as much. I'm really going to focus on just myself and developing you know, those skills and then also training for a marathon. And it just so happened that I was stuck at home and all I could do was read books, write copy and run. And I ended up running pretty much every day. I would read every day and I would write copy every day. And so the universe, it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. So with this year coming up, I had an insight during my digital detox that I take, I don't have the healthiest relationship with failure. I take failure super hard. And when I was growing up, I was, I played a lot of baseball. I played baseball throughout my youth and also throughout high school. And I remember for myself, I was really hard on myself. Like I was the type of kid where I would strike out and I would throw my helmet. I, <laughs> that's kind of surprising because I'm like a really, I tend to be more of a laid back, calm person. But I remember when I was in Little League, I would strike out and I would just like throw my helmet at the dugout or throw my helmet at the fence and I would get super mad. And I think especially when I was growing up because also I got really good grades in school and I was like the type of person to be a perfectionist with everything. And every time I made a mistake, I would really beat myself up. And so this pattern has persisted. And when it comes to business and when it comes to social relationships, these two things in particular, things happen in such a messy way. There's so much entropy when it comes to the, these two areas of your life that if you're a perfectionist, you're going to have a super hard time with that. And Gary Vee talks about this too. Early in his life, he had to deal with that where he didn't get good grades in school. And so he had to deal emotionally with the criticism that came with that. And so that built the resilience that he has now where he can go out and face up to the challenges of entrepreneurship or the challenges of running a business without worrying so much about the validation. Because what happens for a lot of people that are perfectionists, kind of like how I was when I was growing up and how I've been throughout my life is that we become addicted to that validation. And so when we're not getting validated, we're not feeling significant and we're ascribing our self-worth to our income or the number of girls that we've been, it, been with or whatever it is to some number that's external to who we actually are. And at the end of the day, your self-worth is, is not defined by your income or how many girls you've been with or how attractive their, your girlfriend is or you know all these like external objective metrics these aren't actually objective because really there is no such thing as objective everything is subjective but maybe i'll explain that in a later video um, i'm very much when it comes to philosophy and metaphysics and epistemology i'm very much a phenomenologist which basically means that there is i believe that there's no objective substratum of truth basically meaning that there is no objective truth that's external that we all can agree on. 
it all comes down to our perception of reality and that is reality. So let me get, get back to the main point here. So my New Year's resolution for this year is to fail at something every single day. And I got this idea from Sarah Blakely. She talks about how when she was raised, her father would ask her, what did you fail at today? What did you fail at today? And if she said nothing, then he would be disappointed. And when you really think about it, the reason why that works is because when you allow yourself that space to fail, you take bigger risks. And with those risks come new opportunities. And when you lose the fear of failure or when you actually, when you get to the point where you can manage that fear and you're able to take action anyway, that's when things start happening for you in your life. So my goal this year is to fail at something at least once a day to try and fail, right? So to try at something, set a goal for myself to try it and fail. And when you think about that, and that also helps you when it comes to approaching, this actually was the mindset that I adopted when I moved to Dallas, Texas, and I didn't really know anyone, but I was like, I wanna go out and talk to people and approach. I adopted this mindset of failure, getting rejected three times a day. That was my rule for myself. And I just stuck with it. And I ended up doing that. I, I just went out and I would talk to people, at least three people per day. And I would try to get you know girls numbers and I would get rejected. And it really built my emotional resilience. So by the time I came back to LA and by the time I moved out to Vegas, I had that foundation already built. So that's my New Year's resolution. I just wanted to make this video talking about some of the things that I've learned from this year, some of the things that I learned from my digital detox, and also what I have coming up for the beginning of this year. But hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully your holidays were great and you have a happy new year and we'll talk soon.